the tenant improvements and attracting uh, new tenants. Uh, many of them had certain clauses in the lease uh, that allow them to exit if there is any obstruction by the city or by the uh, improvements. Uh, the lower rate, rental rate, did not help much. So we were kind of uh, getting tenants in and then uh, never really got back into the 90% occupancy. I think the highest we achieved was back in 2016, 2017, with about 62 or 64% occupancy. We were very, we were hopeful that the light rail uh, with the stop opposite the building would help. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities and future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. In today's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, I interview Iman Shehabi, a private real estate investor. I recently sold 7550 North 19th Avenue, which is a medical office building, and we discussed his experience as a commercial real estate investor for the first time with this property, as well as a medical office owner. He purchased the property in 2004 at a high occupancy rate. It experienced the 2008-2009 economic downturn and construction of a light rail project right in front of the property. A big welcome to Iman, and I appreciate him sharing his story with us and taking the time to participate in this interview from a very different time zone. Iman, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So we just worked on a medical office building that you you have owned for several years in Phoenix, and, and we just sold it. So before we get into this, can you tell the audience that, that from a high-level overview of all of the real estate holdings that you invest in, the variety? Well, primarily, uh, you know, I've been working as an entrepreneur and having several jobs for the past 30 years. But on the side, I have been doing investments primarily into real estate and uh, mostly into residential. The property in Phoenix was the very first attempt at a commercial uh, building. Uh, This was bought back in 2004. So we've held it for about 15 years. The first four or five years were excellent. And, you know, things with the economic meltdown and some of the other economic challenges and market challenges did not go as well as planned. So, uh, you know, right after that experience, I continued back into my, you know, comfort zone of residential properties in California, as well as Phoenix and uh, Florida. So were you aware when you were purchasing this first commercial property that it was a medical office building and what that required? Or did you just, it was just a commercial property that you wanted to start investing in? Uh, No, Uh, we were specifically looking for uh, medical purpose or uh, buildings, Uh, healthcare. The the market in general was booming in the early 2000 Phoenix. So there was an influx of uh, 
developers and different corporations were relocating offices and headquarters from different states into Phoenix. Market was growing. A large retirement uh, community was growing in Phoenix. Medical buildings, demand for doctors, demand for healthcare was growing. So when we picked up the building back in 2004, the performance of the building was was great. Uh, we had uh, over 90% occupancy rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of medical buildings coming up. So there was a very strong demand. So all the indicators were in the right place. We ticked all the boxes before we made that purchase. And I, I bet the light rail didn't help at all because that was right in front of your building. Well, that was uh, one of the key challenges you know, between the 2008 recession or meltdown mm-hmm. and the light rail, uh, we pretty much lost 50% of the tenants. Suddenly, uh, supply of medical offices was far greater than demand. Uh, there was a major correction on prices. Uh, our rental rate went down by about 35% from what it used to be when we picked it up. And uh, the recovery was difficult. And the light rail, the extension of that light rail took a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was very little support by the city of Phoenix. They had to do it, I fully understand. But they made it very difficult, not only for the tenants, but also for their patients. So gradually, access to the building was very difficult. Parking was almost impossible. And it's a shame because your parking is like over seven per thousand, which is hard to find in Phoenix in that area. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if if they could get to the building, then they could, they, you know, the parking there is phenomenal. But I can see what you're saying with regard to the light rail construction, um, because it's right in front of your building, which now is an asset because, you know, if people are using public transportation, they have a stop right in front of your building not only for the light rail, but there's a bus stop as well. Mm. So I, I thought those were some, some key selling points uh, that, I, you know, in the building itself, like the bones of it are, you know, it's all brick. So, you know, it's, it's going to stand the test of time. So as the, uh, as the tenants started to vacate though, and then you had to re-tenant it, were you sort of shocked at the cost that it was going to require to get some tenants in um, and having to re-tenant the space and, and do all of those tenant improvements? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the tenant improvements and attracting uh, new tenants, uh, many of them had certain clauses in the lease uh, that allowed them to exit if there is any obstruction by the city or by the uh, improvements, uh, the lower rate, rental rate, did not help much. So we were kind of uh, getting tenants in and then uh, never really got back into the 90% occupancy. I think the highest we achieved was back in 2016, 2017, with about 62 or 64% occupancy. We were very, we were hopeful that the light rail uh with the stop opposite the building would help but i think and you are from phoenix and you know better i think the southern part or that part of phoenix never really took off like the rest of phoenix uh in terms of growth and development uh, there's also a rehab facility uh adjacent to the building and there, it was attracting a lot of homeless So Mm. the cost of even running that building, we have to get 24-hour security on site all the time uh, to make sure that 
you know, uh, unwanted individuals don't come and loiter in the building. We had yeah. incidents, you know, where we had people, you know, uh, homeless people sleeping in the elevator or um, you know, doing graffiti on the building. So the costs just kept on going up, trying to maintain it. Yeah, and that's a shame because I think that there's some community medicine providers that could really, I think, help that part of town. I mean, it is 19th Avenue and it is more blue collar, but they still need, you know, I, that's why I, I thought it, even though it did go to an investor, that going to an owner user of somebody that provided some community health services yeah. would be a, a great user. And, and ho- hopefully they'll attract that. I, I do think that that's still the best use. So, yeah. and and maybe doing some office. So it's not just hundred percent medical. Uh, would you invest in another medical office building if you had the opportunity? Um, well, it depends on the location. Mm-hmm. I think over time, uh, one thing I learned is when you invest in real estate, I mean, get smaller, pay a little bit more money, just make sure you get some, you know, prime location, yeah. something that is less, uh, less, you know, impacted by changes in the market because the market will change. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so something a little bit more uh, steadfast, prime location. So if the conditions or if what's on the table, if it's medical building, if it's in a great location, uh, maybe, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. Right. Yeah. If it, if it makes sense, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to um, I'm going to go to the get to know you a little bit of this interview. So okay. people can get to what was your first job? Uh, the very first job I had was, uh, you know, surprisingly medical staffing. Oh, I but yeah, I started working for in the first five years. I was working for a service provider in Southern California. They were doing medical staffing and uh, durable medical equipments to healthcare facilities. Oh. So I've started I've started in operations and gradually moved into sales and business development. And I'm sure you probably invest in more than just real estate, but what would you be doing for a living if you weren't doing what you do now? Uh, I do have a lot of interest in technology. So I've been engaged either at a, an investment level or strategic advisory level with a lot of the startups and not only in the US. I mean, I work with, you know, you know with globalization now, uh, you can get to work anywhere. Right. Uh, so, I've, I, you know, I look at the Asian market, I look at the Middle East and obviously the US. And what or who are you reading or listening to right now for news, information, or inspiration? Um, I think nowadays it's important to stay up to date with the news as they unfold. I mean, compared to 40, 50 years ago, anything that happens nowadays with globalization in any country will surely impact the rest of the world. So uh, staying up to date with news is important. My primary focus is economics. I look at economics. And it's easy and straightforward. I look at markets. Bloomberg, Financial Times are a very good resource. I look at those a lot. I follow the news. I follow the trends. I follow markets in different countries. Uh, When it comes to politics, it's a little bit different. Um, I watch multiple channels. I read multiple papers. But, you know, the, the traditional CNN, BBC, Jazeera, I listen to all of them. Most of the time, they don't say the same facts. (laughs) <laughs> they're different so the best thing to do is really to listen to different views and at the end of the day formulate your own opinion yeah, yeah. make your own decisions yeah. 
<laughs> what is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? Uh, I travel a lot. So whenever I can, I walk. I mean, I try to do at least five to seven miles a day. Uh, currently, I'm staying close to a coastal area. So I do a lot of walking on the coast. Uh, at least on a daily basis, whenever I can. Yeah, you can walk anywhere. I think that's been a new uh, trend since, since the pandemic. And in your opinion, oh, are yeah. leaders born or trained? Uh, I think they're both. You've got people who are born with national traits, uh, leadership traits. Uh, they're sharp, they're intuitive. And you've got you know, a different group of people that have significant experience in leading roles where they have acquired a lot of these uh, uh, characteristics that qualifies them to be leaders. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, leadership is leadership. It's, it's what you do with it, how you lead, how you take care of your team, how you uh, inspire and influence and uh, impact other people's lives. Right. How you move things forward. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you, Iman. This has been a great interview. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best. And I'm sure our path will uh, cross again. Absolutely. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.